break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back on The Punch-Out, 19th of January, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking to you about how big money controls politics in America. Well, maybe you already knew that, but we'll give you some details. We'll talk about the ongoing struggle in Palestine to save the East Jerusalem neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to talk about the Federal Reserve, what it's hiding, and what it says about the state of the U.S. economy. We've been reporting to you consistently about the stealth bailout program that pumped just over $11 trillion into the repo loan market in less than a year being conducted by the Federal Reserve. We've also mentioned to you the recent scandals at the Federal Reserve with dodgy stock trades by top officials. And as both of those issues continue to develop, one thing is clear, that the Federal Reserve is clearly hiding the extent of the fragility of the economy and also Federal Reserve officials are benefiting off the policies they promote, which incidentally also help promote the current fragility and instability. Concerning the repo market, it's one of Wall Street's most important markets whose loans lubricate the broader economy. A couple things have become very clear. One is that the warnings about how the economic house of cards could quickly collapse are clearly true and shared among major market players, and two, that the Federal Reserve is using balance sheet tricks to hide the full extent of the cash it's funneling to major banks and the problems that that reflects. Now, to understand some of the new information that has emerged in this regard, and thanks, by the way, again, to Wall Street on Parade, excellent reporters for the spade work here, you have to understand a little bit about derivatives. A derivative is basically just like trading an asset. You may remember the infamous mortgage-backed securities from the 2008 financial crisis, where banks and other financial players were buying and selling securities based on the value of various slices of mortgages packaged together as one thing. That's basically a derivative, and they are used for managing risk. What's important to know here is most derivatives are basically secrets, or the terms of them are basically secrets between the parties to the contracts. So for the majority of them, no one really knows exactly how much exposure anyone else may have to derivative contracts. So if major lenders feel like for whatever reason, a bank or some sort of financial entity might have exposure that they can't cover, the markets can seize up as everyone backs away from lending to those same entities in the repo market, because who knows if they're otherwise unknown liabilities will mean they can't pay you back. And that is, it appears, what happened with this stealth bailout that's been going on since the fall of 2019 by the Federal Reserve. In September of 2019, just one day before the Fed began lending to the repo market, a British company, Thomas Cook, filed for bankruptcy. It seems like some Wall Street firms had some inkling that both Nomura Securities and Deutsche Bank had some derivative exposure and backed away from lending to them on the repo market. But also, 
since, again, no one knows anything about anything on this regard, at least as it concerns derivatives and what could be out there and how dangerous that might be, Wall Street was also left wondering, well, who else might be connected to these banks through other types of derivative contracts? And are those contracts any good? And can Nomura and Deutsche Bank pay up when necessary? And I mean, who knows was the answer to that. And ultimately, they felt, well, better to back away. So ultimately, the whole repo market seized up because no one knew who was sitting on what bad bets and no one wanted to take any big chances. And that's when the Fed swooped in with no explanation to the public at all and just started handing out trillions of dollars. The process is actually still ongoing and the Fed has authorized itself to spend $500 billion a day in payouts to the repo market more if necessary, in fact. The basic point here is this. There's so much debt out there. And so many companies that ultimately are not really solvent, that Wall Street firms are more or less wondering who out there might not really be able to cover their bets if they take a bad turn and, at any sign of trouble, are just jumping out of the repo loan market, potentially creating even more chaos on Wall Street as people can't get the loans to grease the wheels of corporate America. And then there's the Fed, ready to lend the money to make sure, no matter how bad the bets are, that the U.S. government i.e. the taxpayer, that is you and I, will be there to cover the losses and make sure the problem doesn't snowball. Repo loans are usually one-day loans, but it turns out that the Fed was using all sorts of longer loan terms, the upshot of which is it obscured the amount of money that various banks were borrowing, which is important because that obscures the huge sums of money that major Wall Street banks, the too-big-to-fail banks, are taking. Literally trillions of dollars, some of them. Which, you know, of course, is important because it makes sure that the fiction that all these banks are super solid and super solvent continues. When two Federal Reserve Bank governors have been forced to resign over their trades this year and a Federal Reserve vice chairman as well, it also reveals something that anyone who watches the Fed can see, that the actions there are not managed for the good of the economy, quote unquote, but for the good of Wall Street banks, who all have been making lots of money and maybe Just maybe Fed officials are happy to participate in the risk taking casino that is Wall Street facilitate it really because they too are on the gravy train trading profitably from their own policy positions. Ultimately, Wall Street is betting with house money. They know the government will spend any sum to clean up their mistakes and that the officials most tied to regulating them and their actions are in fact complicit. The only real question is when, not if this reckless behavior collapses in on itself and an economic crash sends tens of millions into destitution. Early Wednesday morning, Israeli apartheid forces demolished the home of the Salia family, one of the 13 slated to be kicked out of their neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah in East Jerusalem. As recently as Monday, apartheid officials had claimed they were not going to demolish the house, and they did so despite a pending court appeal against the destruction. The demolition happened after apartheid police arrested five family members and 20 other activists sitting in a vigil against the destruction of the home and left 15 people homeless overnight. The demolition is the latest in the attempt to push all Palestinians out of Sheikh Jarrah, part of a broader plan by apartheid forces to push Palestinians out of East Jerusalem to further cement the status of the ancient city as the apartheid capital and part of a broader settlement project that steals land from Palestinians by force and uses it to build towns, schools, etc. for settlers, even though all of this is against international law. Jerusalem's government has itself said that one of its main goals is to create and maintain a, quote, solid Jewish majority. 
Family member Yasmin Saliha told Al Jazeera that 50 apartheid police officers stormed the house, shot tear gas into the house, and beat several of her family members as they carried out the arrest necessary to facilitate the demolition. Sheikh Jarrah became a worldwide symbol of resistance last summer as residents and their supporters mounted significant protests to prevent the forcible eviction of residents. The area is claimed by settlers, dubiously, who are using their extremely weak claims of ownership under apartheid laws, in fact, to force out residents who have rejected attempts to buy them out or reduce their legal status to tenants, not owners. And for this, they've been subject to a steady stream of arrests, beatings, and harassment by settlers and apartheid government forces, doing everything possible to push them out. And overall, currently at least 280 Palestinian households in Jerusalem, consisting of 970 people, including 424 children, are at risk of forced displacement by apartheid authorities, according to the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. A range of international powers have shed their share of crocodile tears over the state of affairs, but the U.S., Canada, and EU are directly complicit in the process and do everything possible to shield apartheid Israel from the consequences of their actions. The struggle in Sheikh Jarrah, however, does continue, as it does across the occupied territories, and Palestinians and solidarity activists are pledging to continue to try to prevent the destruction and displacement in Sheikh Jarrah moving forward. certainly no secret that big money controls politics in the U.S. Given the rise of so many types of dark money conduits to send basically unlimited cash into the political process, the quote-unquote normal campaign donations to candidates, which have a cap of $2,800, have moved to the back of the conversation about donations. In fact, so many huge donations are given, many people look at regular donations, even of nearly $3,000, as relatively minor, and perhaps they're just more regular people giving. In truth, however, according to a new study by Public Citizen, the wealthiest 1% of zip codes provided one-fourth of maxed-out contributions, and zip codes in the top four income percentiles accounted for more than half of maxed-out contributions. Further, for the New Yorkers in the house here, quote, eight of 10 zip codes giving the most in maxed-out contributions are located in New York City, and specifically in Manhattan. And just to further stress the trend, Public Citizen notes, quote, Candidates for Congress received more than $1.6 billion in maxed out contributions in the 2016 to 2020 election cycles. Two thirds of these contributions came from the wealthiest 10% of zip codes. And Public Citizen also notes, in a nod to the deep economic segregation of our major cities, quote, contributions from neighboring zip codes can vary starkly. In New York City, for example, donors from Manhattan gave an average of $86 per person in maxed out contributions, while donors from the bordering Bronx and Queens gave $0.82 cents and $0.71 cents per person, respectively. Which, as you might expect, also mirrors the ongoing racial segregation, both geographically and in terms of wealth, in the United States. As the report details, quote, Zip codes with a majority white, non-Hispanic population provided four times as much in per capita maxed out contributions as did majority Hispanic zip codes and five times as much as majority black zip codes, end quote. And the money pays off as the report lays out, quote, a study published in 2015, for example, found that campaign donors were four times more likely than ordinary constituents to have a request to meet with a member of Congress granted. And Public Citizen also relates that, quote, the majority of money raised by candidates comes from about roughly one third of one percent of the voting age population. So there you have it. Just even more evidence that when it comes to politics in the U.S., money talks and principles walk.
That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.